0: And I have an old fighting injury, which is one of my ribs pops out very easily if I'm bent over in climbing position without my poles for too long. So as soon as I pack my poles in, my rib pops out. So then I'm like laying on rocks, trying to get like my rib to pop back in. And we're like climbing up this hill that we didn't think was supposed to exist. And at that point, you're just like a little bit crazy because you've been running for 11 hours anyways.
1: Hey, folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Today, uh, we have an episode with Hillary Spire. She is, uh, gosh, she does a lot of things. Um, but what she's doing right now is a lot of FKTs, which are fastest known times. If you don't know, they are the fastest times on a route, typically like an outdoor adventure route. Whether it's you know a popular trail or a network of trails that create a loop, um, people are doing those now just because you have to keep your distance, and a lot of events are canceled, so people are doing a certain route uploading it to FKT.com and then competing with each other by who can do it the fastest. So that's an FKT. If you don't know, and Hillary is uh, doing a ton of those, but as you'll hear, she is a huge just sports enthusiast uh, in general. She did this crazy challenge where she tried to do, tried to, tried to try every sport in the world, over 8,000 sports. She didn't get that very far into it, but through that, she essentially found a new passion and i love stuff like that i love when you um you know kind of take your your life or your your fate even into your own hands and forge a new path for yourself you know a lot of us wait on a passion to hit us or wait on a a, a purpose to hit us and you know sometimes that works and a lot of times that does work but it, a lot of times it doesn't as well and so there is this kind of proactivity that you can take about your life and make something happen so she tried about 50 or so different sports and fell in love with trail running uh, which led her down this totally different path from hockey that she was uh playing as a kid so really cool i love i honestly the only thing that i regret about this interview is that I, i didn't talk more about that i wish i would have known more about that when we started i would have definitely asked her a ton more questions about attempting to try every sport in the world which is pretty cool Um, but anyway I hope you enjoy the conversation she's a coach you can find out more about her at ruggedconditioning.com and she will help you get in shape help you achieve your goals and uh, she also has a podcast called trail running women podcast so check both of those out and enjoy the episode All right, folks. Welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Today, we're going to hear uh, what I think are going to be some cool stories about about FKTs and ultras and just living an adventurous life in general. And uh, we have Hillary Spires. Her- Hillary, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks. Stoked to be here.
1: Yeah. So, so I always ask this, and I know we were talking before. Where are you coming from today?
0: Um, I'm up in Vancouver, BC. So oh, Canada, the exact opposite of Florida right now, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, totally different. It's 93 here today. Not sure. You know, it's Fahrenheit. Not sure what how how cold it is there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's safe to say flat, hot world, totally different than what you're experiencing.
0: <laughs> totally. But it's funny. People that are like Midwest, I actually went to school in Minnesota, um, Midwest or farther East are like, Oh, Canada, like it must be so cold. Vancouver's totally mild. So it's oh like 17 God. Celsius. I don't know what that is. It's not as hot as you guys, but it's definitely not cold. I'm in shorts and a tank top.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Jeez. You know, it sounds, yeah, it's great. It sounds great. <laughs> oh man. So, so let me ask you this. Are, are you from that area? Did you grow up there? And if not, cause you mentioned going to school in Minnesota, where was home for you growing up?
0: Yeah, I grew up in a, a town called Tawasson, which is just outside of the city of Vancouver, like a little beach town. Um, but I was a hockey player. So I played in the NCAA um, Div 1 down at St. Cloud State in Minnesota for a few years.
1: I saw on your website that you've been playing hockey since you were three years old.
0: Yep, I was pretty young.
1: What, who Who got you into that? Because obviously you didn't say, or may, you might have been like, you know what, I want to play <laughs> hockey.
0: I did. Yeah, I had two older brothers. So no surprise there. Um, I was actually in ballet for a little bit. But I think that I got kicked out for not really behaving. Um, (laughs) And so I said I wanted to play hockey and I just it just kind of stuck right away. So um, I played longer than my brothers did. That's for sure.
1: And ended up playing Division One. So, so, so you played D One. Obviously, that good. Were you also doing other things like outdoorsy at this time? Were you, were you kind of? You're obviously in a beautiful area. Were you in a family that explored that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, we did. So hockey got pretty intense, pretty young. So there was a lot of time spent, like traveling around um, Canada, playing hockey and other ice sports, another sport called ringette. We don't have to get into what that is, but it fits nicely with hockey. Um, And then I was heavily into baseball and those kinds of things. But yeah, we're so near the mountains. We did a lot of skiing as a family, Um, local hikes. We have this like killer hike that I still do now called the Grouse Grind that anybody on this side of the world I feel like knows about. It's a, a mile high and then 800 meters of gain. So it's pretty steep. So I don't know what that is in feet times that by three, I guess it's a lot. Um, so we spent a lot of times kind of outside doing that sort of thing. And then we, I grew up on the beach, so I lived in a log house. My parents still live there and it is, um, the backyard is the ocean. So lots of swimming, paddle boarding, um, ocean type stuff.
1: What a freaking charmed life. I don't know. You, you, you might be used <laughs> to it, but it sounds incredible. Like I have the beach, you know, and we have the mountains in the summer and in Colorado, but it, it, it's, it's, Those worlds are so far apart, you know what I mean? It's like a three-day drive between them. So for you to have it all kind of right there, I know it's colder, but a colder beach that is, but still the fact that you have it all there in in both worlds is pretty remarkable. I don't know, did you realize that growing up or was it something you you, you look back on and say, you know, we are really fortunate here?
0: You know, I did. That was a huge part of like, I am one of those people that's like, you can't stay in the town that you grew up in, you know, like you got to get out. Um, so I lived in a few different places and like, I went to school and like I was saying, we traveled a lot kind of for other sports. And every time that the planes were coming back into Vancouver and you can see the ocean and the mountains, you're like, Oh, this is probably the best place that you can live. Like you can surf golf and ski in the same day if you wanted to, um, up, up on Vancouver Island. So yeah, BC is, is amazing. And Vancouver, we're just so lucky to
1: have both for sure. So you went away and then, and then eventually came back home.
0: Yeah. I just, um, my family's really close. So that was a part of it. Um, but also just like the stuff we were talking about, it's really hard to live anywhere else when you're used to being able to explore and play like all year round. Um, the weather is good for any sport you want to play and you just kind of get addicted to that lifestyle and having it at your fingertips.
1: Totally. I mean, you know, honestly, I've been, I've been in your area and, you know a lot of things are a lot of places are beautiful a lot of places offer a lot but uh pff, i don't think anything there's probably a lot of, on parallel with where you live but nothing really surpasses it in my opinion you know what i mean so it's really anywhere you move is just kind of lateral and or a uh, a downgrade in a lot of ways
0: <laughs> totally i would live in switzerland i'm like that place looks like a painting but i don't can't afford it um right. <laughs> and it's expensive but switzerland is insane
1: when did you start transitioning or what did it look like for you to start, start moving all your activities or majority of them outdoors into trail running into FKTs and stuff like that? What, what, what did that look like in your life?
0: It was kind of a funny process, I guess, throughout my twenties. So I had this dream of going to the Olympics for hockey. And, um, at the point where I realized that probably wasn't going to happen, um, especially if I went down and played in the States, like I was not good enough that anybody was ever going to track my progress going down there. Like maybe if I had gone to Calgary or something and like just trained under the Olympic team, like might've had a shot, but it, it wasn't worth doing. Um, and that became more apparent as I got older. So you kind of go through this like identity shift of like, well, who am I? But um, so I wasn't playing hockey competitively anymore, but I, I needed to play something or do something competitive and it always kind of run. Was fascinated with distance since I was really, really young, but I never really did it competitively, um, just against myself, I guess. And then at the same time, I got into fighting. So I had some um, some kickboxing matches and was in MMA and some jujitsu tournaments, and that was really fun. That kind of took my competitive edge for a bit. And then I hurt my knee really badly uh, and had to have a surgery, and it took a few years to recover. So when I was coming back, I wanted to run long distances again, but that wasn't really the best thing I could do for my knee. Um, So then I decided to sign up for Ironman because I figured I'd be spending so much time on the bike and swimming that it would probably be the right thing. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry. I've had a cold. I'm going to try not to cough. Oh, no worries. Um,
1: It's going around.
0: (coughs) Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it ever? (laughs) So that ended up actually working. I didn't really train for the run at all. I just trained on the bike and swimming. Um, And then when I was finished that, I said, I'm going to try to play every sport in the world. And I started a blog called All of the Sports. (laughs) Now, when I decided this, I didn't realize that there's actually over 8,000 sports. So oh there was a lot. Um,
1: was, was this like a? Cha- I'm sorry to, I didn't come across this <laughs> anywhere. Was this like a challenge you just set for yourself? Like you know, one of those people that I'm going to visit every state or every province. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play every sport in the world.
0: Yeah, it was just something stupid. Like um, I'm just gonna go ahead and see what happens, and maybe I'll start a blog, and maybe one day someone will like want to talk about it on a TV show, and I'll get to like go try something I didn't even know existed. Like it was just a really dumb idea. It didn't last that long um, because I got through, I don't know, 50 or something. And then I showed up to a trail race because I had to tick off trail running and I just never did anything again. <laughs> like I was you, just, you,
1: you got to the sport you were meant to be, be in.
0: Exactly. And I just ran to the finish line and was like, okay, tick that one off. But like, oh, I want to, it was 13K and I was like, maybe I'll just do one more. And so I like Googled what trail races were coming up and there was a 50 K coming up two weeks after. And I was like, well, I can probably pull that off. Bad idea. Um, did that 50 K and then I was just like, okay, like I'm just, I'm in, I'm a trail runner now.
1: Holy crap. Wh- when was this by the way? Like when did this happen for you?
0: Um, I would say five years ago.
1: No, what, what I love about that Hillary is that, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm on your website and I see this, this picture of you in an MMA, octagon with gloves on and, and your your outfit and you've got this big old like bicycle tattooed on your leg. And it's just such a funny like juxtaposition because you don't see you know what I mean? You see people in the sport and they're all about it and you don't see them with a bike tattoo right on their leg. It's like the clashing totally. of two worlds. And so I was a little confused by that, but this makes so much sense now. What I love about that is something that we talk about so much on this show is the people people become known for something they didn't intentionally set out to do uh you know we have so many people that did some incredible adventure because of an injury that forced them to try new things or uh something in their life forced them to 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 do this new sport and they discovered they loved it more than their original passion and so for you it sounds like hockey was this big part of your life and at some point it you know maybe you hit a ceiling with it or realized you couldn't go to the olympics decided to do this crazy thing of trying every sport in the world. You only get so far, but look what it's led to. It's led to all these adventures. It's led to this passion you would have never otherwise discovered. I think that's incredible.
0: I guess like the way, when you put it that way too, it's almost like you're searching for something and the world just kind of directs you to it, right? Like, and you just fall upon it. And for me, hockey, the one thing I think that actually allowed me to go as far as I did was that it never became a job it was always something that I was so excited to go do. And I think that's such a huge thing for kids playing sports now is that their parents maybe take it too seriously, too young, or they force them to just do one sport. um, And it becomes something that they're not just really excited to go do. It's something that they have to do. And when hockey was done, I really missed that as well. And I think that's what you get in the forest when you start a race and suddenly you're by yourself for the next six hours. if It's spread out, you know, and you're like, Just, you're not looking at your phone. You're just like trudging through the mountains and here it's probably raining and slippery. And the North Shore or Vancouver area is so technical that you're like, it's such an adventure that you never get to experience in any other part of your life. So that like childhood wonder of hockey came back for me. And I think that's the part that I got addicted to was like, I'm just in this game trying to get to this next point and like not get eaten by a cougar or a bear. It's the coolest thing ever.
1: You know that that that's so cool because we we always talk about we mention a lot here is that what what are the chances that you found the thing in your life you were most passionate about at three years old, and you know the, the chances are pretty low. The chances are you've only seen a certain little slice of the world, and when you start experiencing the rest, you're gonna discover something. And for a lot of people on the show, it's an adventure sport in the outdoors. Uh, They discovered they love it 10 times much. I don't know how to quantify that, but so much more than than what they loved before. And so for you, you you know, finding running, finding trail running specifically, uh, I saw on your website, you say it's a shortcut to meditation and the way you're describing it sounds like, you know, it's something you had to focus on, something you had to be very present for. And and I'm sure that's just um, one reason you fell in love with it so deeply.
0: Oh, that's really cool. I've never thought of it that way, but you're totally right. Like the thing about um, not finding what you're like maybe meant to do at three years old, like what, who, who gets that lucky? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. And you're absolutely right. That's exactly what it is. It's just like, you can't think about anything else, but like where you are going to put your next step? And then you're just kind of calm because as like the reason meditation works is You can't be running through a forest and be worried about what happened yesterday or anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow. You're just in the moment, and that's the most like peaceful place you can be.
1: So you fall in love with this. You start running. Start running on trails. What were did you start doing events, or was it just strictly for your own pleasure and enjoyment and getting out there and having peace? What did it look like for you in the sense of athletic achievement?
0: Yeah. So it's funny, like with trail running specifically. Again, um, it changed how I viewed running because I'm built like a hockey player or a fighter, um, which is like five, seven, pretty strong, not usually going to show up to the start line of a 5k or a 10k and look like the uh, elite runners. Right. And I can do an an okay time. Um, but I'm not going to be like a 15 minute 5k or ever, or be competitive like that. But at a trail race, um, Other things come into play, like you have to be strong to climb mountains and you have to be strong to handle the downhill of mountains and you have to have a certain mental toughness that's like, maybe I'm not the fastest on paper, but if we get into a race that's six plus hours long, you're going to have to weather the storm to some degree um, and that maybe I can battle out whatever the day is going to do better than the person next to me. So suddenly I have a shot to be competitive beyond kind of what my physical running ability is so that I came to realize a little bit farther on in my trail running career which made it cool because it gave me a new angle to look at the sport Um, and a a lot of the races are smaller and I'm you know can be competitive with whoever shows up I've got a lot of fast friends that are going to beat me on any day but the fact that there's a shot in there (laughs) makes it exciting. And so at first it was, like I said, I showed up for this 50K and I'd only run one other trail run first. And I was in your road shoes, had no idea what, like I was that, that kid, right? No idea what was going to happen. My dad asked me when I was going to finish. And I was like, anywhere from like five to 10 hours, (laughs) like that's the best window I can give you. Um, I'd done that marathon at the end of an Ironman a year before, and that would have been my training then. And then some sprints for fights over the winter. So then this was the next summer. Um, So literally no running at all. I was just going to gut this thing out. And it was such a cool adventure to be like, I'm not in shape to do this. And my feet blew up because, of course, it's wet and the skin on your feet isn't prepared for that type of thing. But I still got to the end. I finished mid-pack and I was just like, I don't know if I could ever do that again because that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Like, I've never looked down at my watch and been like, oh, I've gone an hour and I've gone actually nowhere but just thinking like, this is probably the coolest day I've ever had. And I need to, my husband needs to try this or time. He was just my boyfriend. And then it just kind of continued on from there that I just needed to get that experience more and more and more. And then, um, then I got him into some, some running and I still wasn't really focusing on running. We were just doing it as something we could do together and going out and doing some random runs. Um, And then, as I said, like, I just kind of realized that maybe I'd be able to do well at this and started focusing a bit more and then had that like huge gains and improvement when you start putting in a little bit of structured effort, which was pretty fun. And then my husband and I got married and chose to go do a 90K in Switzerland for our honeymoon two years ago. And then since then, I was going to do a hundred miler. but had a baby in there and then COVID happened. Um, I did a hundred miles on road, which was stupid. And just kind of started to do everything I could get my hands on.
1: So, so, so would you say <laughs> that this is still very new to you? You said in the last five years, and I'm looking at your athletic bio, and um, you know, you, you you transitioned from like Ironmans, like you were talking about, to to this. Is it, is it does this still feel new to you?
0: Absolutely, and especially because I haven't focused on anything like I focused on hockey when I was younger in you know, a forever, like ever. And I know that there's so much more that I can learn and do. And every time that I kind of think I'm fit, I like learn something else about training or my coach, Ellie Greenwood has me do something different and I see different improvements. And actually through COVID, um, also I had a baby in there, so I had some time where I couldn't do a lot. Um, that's like two, full years. Yeah. Um, during COVID, I had the luxury of running with my friend who is a phenomenal runner. Like she's unbelievable and a little bit, no, not a little bit, a lot faster than me, but kind enough to wait on some of these FKT attempts. So us running together made me push to a boundary that I didn't know I had before either. Because it's like in a 50 mile race, you might get tired and think, like, okay, I'm gonna slow down for a second and catch my breath. But when you're running with a friend that you really respect, you're like, Okay, I don't wanna disappoint her. She's out here too for this exact same reason that I am. So you just push through a little more. Um, so I think everything has improved a lot this summer, even without races, just because I've um
1: chased my friend around. That's awesome. So, so, you know, you, you're really falling in love with events. You're, you're, you're doing really well in a lot of these events, which I'm sure is, you know, exhilarating for your competitive side and uh, seeing yourself out there improving. Uh, I saw that you won first overall while you were four months pregnant of a, of a 13 (laughs) K, which is just mind blowing. That, that had to be a pretty amazing day.
0: Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, that was one of Gary Robbins, the uh, Barclay Marathon guy, um, one of his events. So a super technical, fun race in the lot of snow. And um, four months is about the last time that you can really give a good, solid effort when you're pregnant. Uh, and I just felt really good. And it was uh, it was really fun. That Yeah, that was a, a super fun day. Of course, you got a little bit of hate mail, but that's to be expected when you do activities pregnant. But that's a barrier trying to break as well. So I'm sure
1: they were upset because of course, you know, you have you have the strength of two when you're pregnant.
0: Well, so. that's just it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like doping, you know. You just you just it, you got this superpower. So, you know, I'd I'd be upset too.
0: Well, you have you have extra blood volume. So I think you're you may be arching. But it definitely <laughs> right. was funny when the if there was any guys that you happened to beat and they're like, and then like the winner of this race and like also four months pregnant and the guy right. standing next to you was what the f and the winner
1: of this race hillary and uh and her 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 child Fetus. uh a, unnamed <laughs> child both won they they need two two medals <laughs> that's awesome no so 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 let me ask you this are you know you, you you have a child i think that was around a year ago or so a little over um yep. and then you know you're getting you're you know you're gaining momentum in this world and uh, of, of trail running and doing well in these races. I don't know your goals at that point, but then COVID hits. How did that, how did that change your practice and what you did? Were you still able to get out as much as you want? Um, what, what was the basically the effect of COVID?
0: It was, it was tough because the first race that was canceled for me was about a, I think three days before it would have been March 23rd. So it was like right when everybody was like, we got to take this stuff seriously. Right. So Cancelled that. And I thought right away, oh, I hope Cascade Crest isn't cancelled, which would have been end of August without really thinking that would happen. Um, It just crossed my mind. So I kind of just continued as is for a few months. And it was hard at first, but quite quickly, you figure out that you run for other reasons other than just events and that like a really hard training run feels really good. and. The soreness of your body on like the last 10K of a 50K is also very satisfying. FKT ideas, which didn't occur into us until middle of summer and being like, oh, that's almost more fun than a race because anybody can go try this anytime. It's not just who shows up on that day. It's open to any runners. Um, and then trying to do those hard efforts has been equally as satisfying. So it was definitely hard. And I'm totally stoked for races to come back just for the whole event and the buzz of it. Um, but it didn't affect me as negatively as I thought it, it would, because like we've talked about in this whole podcast, the adventure side is like, you can get that without racing anyone.
1: Obviously the, the, uh, the explosion of the popularity of FKTs during COVID has been really cool to see just cause it, it, like you said, it's, it's having that alone wilderness aspect, but also the competitive aspect uh, and you can do it anytime and, and you can something I've heard a lot with FKTs, like you were talking about, you might not be the fastest in a race, even a trail race, but you can, because the logistics and the planning and the preparation are all in your hands, you can find some advantages there. Whereas before, maybe you, maybe you wouldn't be as fast as these other folks on these, on these trail runs, but now you've got to plan your, like your food caches, or you've got to plan how to get there. You've got to you know, you've got to do all that yourself, basically the race directing yourself, and, and you can find some places to, to be better than your competitors.
0: Really cool point. I didn't even really think of that. Is it just comes down to like, how can you get from point A to point B the fastest? Um, and on the most recent one that we did, we actually chose a route that was different. No, not a route. It was a point to point. And the FKT site says you can choose whichever direction you want. And we chose a direction that was less popular because there is. Um, about 500 meters more of climbing, so like 1,500 feet more of climbing to go the direction that we did. But we wanted to end at this town that had a lake, and also it had then the hardest climbs at the beginning instead of the end, it was steeper. So just looking at different things like that is is pretty fun, but it all still counts because you're covering the same ground. So yeah, that's a really cool point.
1: What, what was the FKT that you recently did?
0: <clears throat> um, so it's called the Hudson's Bay Trail which is cool. It's the old trading trail for the Hudson's Bay company where they used to just take their like beaver pelts across, um, which when you're running, it seems crazy that anybody would ever carry stuff along it. So we started in Hope, which is a town in the interior of BC. And then it is 78 kilometers. So I don't know what that is in miles, um, 40 something. And it's over 15,000 feet of climbing. So 4,000 meters, which is a lot over that distance. Um, and just very, very, very steep climbs. So it was like straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down. And the previous record was 12 hours and 50 minutes. So like you said, you can kind of research it out and we figured how fast we had to be on each of the sections. um, And we thought we could do it in sub 12 and we were uh, 11 hours and 35 minutes, which we were stoked to do. So we set the new one there and that was a unsupported effort. So we carried all of our own stuff Hard to carry all of your own food for, um, fifty miles ish, right? So luckily there was lots of water crossings, which really helped. But we started super early in the morning, and in the dark because in the town that we finished in there was a pub, but it closed at five thirty p.m. So our biggest like goal that lit a fire under us was to get to the pub before <laughs> it.
1: I get a beer before <laughs> before they close. That's great. Yeah. So do, you made it.
0: Um, we did. Yeah. We made it and we had, we kind of figured halfway after we'd done what we thought was the majority of the climbing, that we were going to be no problem and probably come in around 11 hours. But Strava had lied to us and said that there was 3,500 meters of climbing. And then the last 14K were supposed to be uh, the descent off the mountain. When we got there, I like put my poles away and we were like, woohoo, downhill the rest of the way, like no problem. Surprise, surprise, there's another 500 meters. Um so again 1500 feet that you're not expecting and I have an old fighting injury which is one of my ribs pops out very easily if I'm bent over in climbing position without my poles for too long so as soon as I packed my poles in my rib pops out because my, my back was tight by that point so then I'm like laying on rocks trying to get like my rib to pop back in and we're like climbing up this hill that we didn't think was supposed to exist and at that point you're just like a little bit crazy because you've been running for 11 hours anyways. And we're like, I don't understand. Like, I thought we were supposed to be done. Um, So with that secret climbing at the end, we were pretty stoked on, a, on 11 and a half hours.
1: Con- considering your rib can pop out. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. Jeez, Hillary, hardcore, <laughs> man. That, that's so cool. So, so so for you, um, what what would you say, you know, just another pivot in your life, you know, moving away, not moving away, but having to, postpone races does the FKT does that does that fulfill that need that you have for competition and for and for being out there or was it more of a I don't know a compromise for the time being
0: it it did more than I thought to be honest so I would have originally said yeah it was like a, a bit of a compromise before we did them but that ADK was um just an a super fun effort and it was really challenging and it had all the things about an adventure race that you love where you're like in that moment. And this is kind of my favorite part where you're like, Oh man, why did I do this? Uh, and it happened quite early in this race for me actually (laughs) Um, like 16 miles in. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't think I can finish this. I can't take another step. I'm going to throw up, but I'm hungry. Um, I'm super confused on what's happening in my life right now. Like why, where am I? Um, but I'm just, I have to keep going because, like, we have to get to the end of this. There's no aid station to drop out at. Um, and that's kind of the funnest part because we don't usually get to get to that point in our life. Like, I always say it's like, we're so comfortable, right? If you're hungry, you go to the store and you get food. If you're cold, you put on a sputter. Um, but when you're at the edge of your comfort zone in a race, like, you don't really have a choice but to keep on going through it. Um, so that's the part of races that I really uh, enjoy and kind of am addicted to. And you still get those in the FKT. So that pushing, pushing the edge of your comfort zone, I guess, is the best way to describe it.
1: How do you do that? How do you push your comfort zone? Like what's going on in your mind? What are maybe some, some practices you have or or routines you have to, to get you through those moments where it's like, I, I don't know if I can do this.
0: Um, I have quite a few and they kind of just like rotate around, I guess. So One of them that I like is I always refer to myself in third person. And I have heard that this, this like changes how your brain responds to what you're doing. Um, Because it's really easy to be like, I suck and I'm tired. But I would have a really hard time being like, Mason, you're super shitty. Like, why are you running so slow? Hurry up. Yeah, um, that, that, because we don't that
1: wouldn't make me feel good if you told me that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's hard to speak to somebody else that way because it goes against your like morals as a human, but for some reason we're fine talking to ourselves like that. So, if you talk to yourself in third person, you're way more encouraging and even just that kind of changes your mindset. Um and then I usually think like, okay, you're having a low, you're going to have a high again. You will feel good again. Like just keep going or um Like, let's give it five minutes and see how you feel. And sometimes I'm just like, okay, I'm going to count my steps. I'm going to count to a hundred and then snap out of it. Um, And then other times I just think about like anything totally random, like playing a baseball game and just totally escape. But you just have to trust that if you're having a low, you will feel good again.
1: Mm, Kind of of like the route, you know, it's just, it's going to go up. It's going to go down. Most of the time our attitude goes up and down with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, totally. That That's really fascinating. You know, that's just just keeping in mind that those lows are going to turn around. And, and the highs, you know, don't be disappointed if that doesn't last forever because it's not going to. Um, but enjoy it while you have it. Uh, now, that's a really good little trick. Refer to yourself in the third person because I, I remember just yesterday at work, I, I needed not really with work. It's more of a personal matter, but I had to kind of just be very real with somebody and I remember getting off the phone saying, I really took it light on him. And it was because you're talking to somebody else and you're just conscious of of their feelings. And, you know, if you were talking to yourself, you have no problem just cussing yourself out. So that's, that's a real, yeah, but it's not necessarily you, helpful. So that's a really good point.
0: No. And your brain, like your brain doesn't really know the difference of these things. It just like takes to heart what you say. So there's an article, you can Google it. Um, there's a bunch of really high level, like NFL and baseball players that all do it too.
1: That is, that is a great little tip. Oh my gosh. You learn so much from you. You're racing. You you've got, you've done so many different things, lots of different experiences. Uh, and, and and you coach now, you know, it's everything from like training to, um, yeah, like race coaching, personal training and all that. What was that like? When did you launch that? And when did you feel maybe comfortable enough in your own accomplishments to say, I, I can start teaching people.
0: Yeah, I guess um, I started personal training. And for me, I've been a total uh, geek, I guess, on this kind of stuff since I was a really young kid. And so I just sort of assumed that everybody else spent their time listening to podcasts and reading books on peak performance and like all these things that you need to be an elite athlete. Um, like I have like journals where I've drawn out like peak performance uh, pyramids when I was like 10, like a total total loser um like and then filling it out like for hockey it was like you know your cardio base and then your agility and then your hands and then your like ability to read the play and all these little and like nutrition and then sleep and started journaling like if I have this for breakfast and get that this much sleep um that I will score this many goals and like finding correlations and all these weird things um And then as I got a little bit older, I had friends that would like notice I was doing this. So they started asking questions. And then when I got into the fighting gym, um, people there would be like, how do I focus in for a fight and like get rid of my nerves and got into like the mental aspect. And then we would get into like, well, I keep getting tired in fights. Like how do I train the cardio side and not just like my combinations?" So then started working with some of those guys outside of the gym and then other people like just seeing stuff on Instagram and then being like, well, Hey, I'm not an elite runner, but I want to run through the mountains too. And I think, um, just relating to people as being like just a regular person and not a super elite athlete and then asking questions and then being able to give them a tangible advice that like anybody can do. Um, and then I just realized that it was like really rewarding when a friend was like, Oh man, I just ran a 50 K. Uh, And I didn't think I could do it. Like, thanks so much. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, I could probably make this like, it sounds so cheesy, but like passion into a a job. So it really did grow really naturally.
1: How do you feel it it, it has gone for you in the sense of uh, turning something you love into into more of of a career, more of something you do for a job? I, I know everyone's reaction to it can be totally different. I know mine was unique and yeah uh, uh, but I'm always interested in that folks that take something they love and try to turn it into to a career
0: yeah it's totally risky right because you don't want to take the one thing that brings you a lot of happiness and like make it not super fun right um but it's been good and it's been a le- learning experience so I use training peaks and I like didn't realize that most people aren't taking like their training plans as gospel and being like Well, you don't miss workouts. That's the first thing you plan and you just don't miss workouts. And that's just kind of how my mindset's always been. So realizing that like, I have to relate to people that have busy lives because I started doing this before I had a kid and be like, how can you make this actually doable for someone who's like, maybe it's not their first priority, but it's still something they want to do. So learning a lot that way, how to make it accessible. Um, And I've actually found that's pretty fun and helped me relate to people. Um, in and that's a very specific detail, but overall, I guess it's just learning a lot about people and how they work, and that's been kind of a fun side effect. And then when people reach their goals, and so many of my clients have done things that they didn't think they could do, um, that just feels so good. So it's been it's been fun. It's been positive and challenging.
1: So what would you say is one common thing with the majority of people that that prevents them from achieving their uh, there maybe athletic or adventure goals
0: that's tough I think yeah I think it's consistency and I think it's people doing good for a week and then getting stuck and being like well I'm too busy um, and if you talk to anybody that is achieving their goals they're not too busy and those people often have careers that are like very challenging I just actually interviewed a girl named Marie Madden who is Unbelievably fast. And she works at a hospital, crazy hours, overnight shifts. And um, her and I had the same kind of view where it's like, you just look at your week ahead. And if I have to work 12 hours, but I work 10 kilometers away, well, then I just run to work and then I run home and then I've done my 20K. So finding, and another girl who's like, well, I work really long hours during the day. I don't have two hours at night to run 10 miles, but I can run three in the morning and three at lunchtime um, and another four when I get home. So people that want to succeed, find a way to make it work. The biggest hurdle is having these big goals and being like, I just can't make time, but you can. And sometimes that just takes work too. And that just takes practice. So it's instead of being like, oh, well, this client isn't, um, isn't making the time, you know, this isn't going to work, helping them out and being like, okay, well, let's look at your schedule. And like, what if it was the first thing that you planned? And then, um, you planned, like when you were going to do your grocery shopping and when you were going to do the other things you have to do around your workout and made that kind of your first priority or didn't watch any TV this week. Like do things shift for you? Um, even if it's like five minutes at a time or like my husband and I do, and I have clients that have kids. It's like, I don't have time to go run 25 K on a Sunday when we have all the kids at home. I have my son and then we have, I have two stepdaughters, but like the kids need to play. So if, they all ride their bikes to the park and it's five kilometers away and I run there and then we run around the park together and then on the way home, I'm going to do my like intervals and run. And then now I've knocked off a bunch of time just out of family time and we've made it like an event. So I think, um, you can work it into your life and sorry, that was a super long tangent on that very simple question.
1: No, no. Yeah. You're talking to a tangent. Uh, person right here so you you Good. Good. you're not gonna wear out my welcome with that that's uh that's totally fine No, that I mean that was just an you know incredibly uh potent answer in the sense of um just just how many just little nuggets of like knowledge and wisdom you shared that's uh you're talking to somebody who who has huge goals uh but not a so so tight be that it's not even funny like it's, uh, it's uh, what like are,
0: what are your goals?
1: It, it just you know I mean just you know i want to do do these adventures or or i'll I'll set a high goal and then my just um yeah just just not someone that 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 sticks to something for a long period of time that's very much like blows in the wind a lot like my motivations and very, very much you know procrastinator and stuff like that so it, it's it's so fascinating to me to talk to folks like you who are um who have a passion for uh like you said those, those peak performance pyramids and just it's something i would never think of as a person so I'm, I'm always interested like how do these people achieve those goals and what do they teach folks like me to to accomplish goals who, who, who have their hands on a lot of things and want to achieve a lot of things um athletically and adventure wise but don't don't structure their life so well my my wife is a lot like you it's it's she achieves the thing she wants to because she organizes her life in a way to do so whereas i'm like let's see what today brings <laughs> you know what i'm saying
0: yeah it's just so cool to live the way that you do too and people like me and probably your wife always have some level of jealousy to people who can just like i i don't know see the creative side of things properly instead of mm. you know you got to kind of let go a bit. And sometimes that's hard for us to do. Having a kid helps with that because now I don't have the choice to make those choices. That, that <laughs> things
1: are going to just kind of happen outside of your, outside of your compartments. I'm, I'm sure.
0: Exactly. And so
1: what have you learned having a child with, uh, with, with, with adventure and with re- running and racing, um, and also just managing life itself? How, how, how has that changed you and, and what have you learned?
0: Oh man. Um, I've learned a lot. I've learned I like, I only have so many shits to give, right?
1: And <laughs> right.
0: especially as a, a woman and a female athlete, like uh, maybe I had two or three that were caught up in like five pounds or something. Um, I don't have space for that anymore. It doesn't matter. You know, like he's not, my kids not gonna love me more or less depending on what my body looks like. Um, or like if my hair looks funny. So while well, I still like to like look like a normal, nice human being sometimes, um little things like that that might have bugged me before I just don't have I don't have space for them so in that sense it's almost been like relaxing um and then on the other side of it there is a lot of mom guilt and a lot of pressure from society telling us that we need to like do all the right things and spend all the time with your kid and I was really worried about not being able to get the things done but like the adventures done but you totally can because he benefits from a seeing his mom do cool stuff and b like, if I come home after an adventure, I'm like ready for some one-on-one kid time and be totally present. And like, you know, it's the, it's the old um, analogy that like you have to put on your own mask first before someone else's. So I think being a mom and going off of going on personal adventures and goals just makes you a better parent um, and happier. 100%.
1: I mean, you mentioned so many things there that that have reminded me of other stories we've heard on this show, as well as, you know, my own personal experience. I don't know if you've ever heard of the climber. Tommy Caldwell did one of the most unbelievable challenges in climbing, which was the Don Wall in Yosemite. And I remember we had him on this show a few years ago. And he said that having children is what pushed him over the edge with, uh, when it came to inspiration to actually accomplish that, because it was like, I saw this child and said to myself, that child has, to, I have to do this so that they know that I can do this and that, and I just want them to see me doing something amazing and be proud of me. And it was like, holy cow, that's a that's unbelievable. Because I'm sure you experienced this, um, there's just not a level of, of, of inspiration you can take until you have a child. You just don't understand. And then you have one. It's like, oh my gosh, I want them to see me as an example of not giving up my life once they're here, but, but really even going after things I, I wouldn't have gone for before just just so they can be inspired by it.
0: Totally. That's cool to hear it from a dad's perspective too, because oftentimes you just focus on like society talks about what the mom should be doing, but it's cool to see a dad take on that same kind of excitement to want to show them stuff.
1: Absolutely. What, what do you see in your future? What do you see happening moving forward? Do you see any just major pivots? Are you going to continue pursuing this trail running and FKT world?
0: You know, that's funny. I'm like, I'm a dreamer and I get bored um, and I want to try new things. So I'm like, I got to try to go to the Masters CrossFit Games, duh. But like, I don't do things. <laughs> so I just, I have a lot of weird things I want to do. Um, I love running. I haven't found anything that gives me that same sense of adventure. And I love when I speak to people on my podcast that are six year 70 old, old, years old, running hundred milers. Like I definitely want to be doing that. Um, but I am religiously working on my golf game because I need to have an old person sport. And every time I go by a tennis court, my like heart breaks because I'm not playing tennis. I don't play tennis. I never did. This is
1: just oh my like, gosh.
0: I'm so obsessed with sports. So I guess it like, hugely depends on what my son wants to play and I want to play stuff with him and I want to play pickleball. So I guess to answer your question, like, I just want to keep loving sports. I think there's such a huge part of life in general. And I'm going golfing with my parents after this. And I just, um, I hope that I can continue to play all of them. And that, that my, I was also hanging out with my grandma. She's 103, um, because she was active. So I think being active and playing sports is my long-term goal and which sport that is, I don't know.
1: It runs the gamut. I mean, there's only 8,000 to choose from, and I'm sure more of you <laughs> yeah. <it> every day. <laughs> you still got a lot to try, you know, so so keep trying. What? Where can people find out more about you?
0: Um, Instagram probably is the best place. So my Instagram is hillsport one um, l so H-I-L sport 55. And if you are into running, I have a podcast as well called the Trail Running Women Podcast, and we just uh, interview women that run to put it put put it in the simplest terms. But
1: there you go. That's uh hey, we interview adventures. That's that's pretty much all it is. So no, that's awesome. And so we will definitely push folks to that. Push folks to your uh your training and conditioning website, rugged conditioning, your Instagram, but Hillary, you know, honestly, that last answer, I mean, your your story just keeps getting better and better. You're going to go play some golf with your, with your, you know, with your family and hang out with your 103 year old grandmother. I mean, I feel (laughs) like we could keep talking, but I got to run and, uh, keep being an inspiration, keep trying new things. And, uh, yeah, I I learned a lot in this conversation, so I'm excited to release this episode and, uh, yeah, see, see, see who you, uh, continue to inspire.
0: Sweet. Well, thank you so much. This has been, um, so much fun and yeah i'm looking forward to it coming out and we occasionally sprinkle the male guest on our show so we should have you on mine as well
1: hey i i don't know if i uh, could teach you anything i could te- i could teach you a little bit about living like a type person uh it's uh it's serving you well at that. times um other times not so much so <laughs> i'd love to <laughs>
0: awesome well thanks so much and have a great rest of your day
1: yeah you as well and talk soon okay right, bye bye first of all